0: Welcome to the Made Men Project. This is your man, DB, transformed from trauma victim into a victor over trauma, and your emotional empowerment coach. You are now inside the project where every money we're bringing an empowering personal message to dismantle society's false sense of masculinity, and change the male narrative. Thanks for coming through today. I truly appreciate you having me here. I am a black man that is proud to be black, and I want to help the black community. But I love all mankind. Recording artists, Common. My guest today is a consultant and global business developer, as well as a partner in the CIO of Black with No Chaser, Cirello Monego. Before becoming a full-time consultant and global business developer, Cirello spent time on the Hill serving in the House Committee on Homeland Security and running nationwide progressive campaigns at a nonprofit in Washington, D.C. In this episode, Cirello breaks down his relationship with his dad, steps he had to take in his healing and forgiveness journey, and the importance of being part of a fellowship. Listen, make sure you share this podcast with others who you think can benefit from it. This podcast is just not for men, but for every woman that has a man in her life that she loves and cares for. All right, so be sure to like, comment and subscribe. Share, share, share and also leave us a rating and review. All right, let's get to the show.
1: Hey yo fellas, we we made men. We made men. Try to believe that within. I just want to be a good I know you all, but tell me you a good man. Tell me you're a good man. So many men are being crushed. Society told the demands to be tough. Yes, you guess you are enough. Okay. Just want to be a good man. I can't relate to you, brother, cause you're a good man. Yes, you are a good man. Right beside you, I'm right behind you. I know that life could be hard. Right? No, you're not a coward, you got the power for talking about your scars No, you're not soft. Let me inspire you, empower you because Society may wanna see you fall. You got another brother to call. So many men are being crushed. Society told the man's to be tough. Yes, you guess you are enough. Don't fluff, okay. Good man. I can't relate to you, brother. Cause you're a Good man. Yes, you are a Good man. Hey, hey, I'm here, my brother know i love you yes you guess you are enough i just want to be a i can relate to you brother because you're a man yes you are a
0: man what's up family welcome back to the main man project i'm your host db and today i'm bringing on my good friend Cirillo manego Cirillo is a consultant and global business developer as well as a partner in the cio of black with no chaser for the last three years Cirillo has been responsible for strategic partnerships advocacy and digital communicational strategies. Before becoming a full-time consultant and global business developer Cirillo spent time on the hill serving in the House Committee on Homeland Security and running nationwide progressive campaigns at a non in Washington DC. Today Cirillo is going to help me dismantle society's false sense of masculinity because so many men are being crushed on societal demands to be tough, denying the kind of vulnerability, sensitivity, or any internal hurt and pain, it's time to change that narrative. So listen, it's going to be a great show with so many things you guys want to pay attention to. But first, really quickly, if you're a man who knows that you have the potential to do great things, but just not sure how to get from where you are to where you want to be, trapped in mental and emotional bondage, and being crushed on the self-limiting beliefs and behaviors, it's time to stop struggling with the stress, anxiety, self-doubt, and fear, and look me up on LinkedIn at DB Powers and send me a message, and we'll book you a free no-pitch clarity call so you can learn more about me and my team, and if and how we can help you experience more confidence, certainty, authenticity, and inner peace in the next 60 days. Okay, Cirillo, my man, what's up? Welcome to the show, brother. How are you? I'm good, man. It's glad to be here. I'm looking outside right now, in my
2: window, and uh, you know it's a little it's snowing out here in DC right now, but it's cool though, man. I got my tea in hand, so it's all good. How you doing, I brother?
0: Man, I hear that, brother. I'm great, man. I appreciate you coming on the show today, man. And yeah, I'm looking out my window too. We we got them snow flurries coming down, posting get a good three, six yeah. in the Baltimore area, so that <laughs> that 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 DMV area, man. So we going to yes, see indeed. how this thing going to shape <laughs> out, man. So listen, brother. I want to jump right into it, man. As you were growing up, who and what was your example of a man?
2: Well, you know, my, my, my dad was in the, uh, wasn't well, my dad and my mother, they were married uh, until the day he died. That's when they separated, <laughs> you right, know, by right, way of right. the good Lord calling him home. Yes, and sir. so that was the first example of a man to me um, in terms of, and I always tell people this: like I, I, I had like a fences kind of dad, you know. Like, he was yeah. old school. My dad was my dad was born in '36, so I look at my dad and I try to put the way in which he tried to raise me and instill values in me, mm. um, like through that lens. Because it's hard to kind of like think Because to me, would I raise my child in the same way he raised me? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, but still, like it, 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 it's about, you know, I've been reading more. and I just, you know, read this book, um. And, and, and for the most part bell hooks all about love and it kind of yeah. like helped me think about my relationship with my dad and yeah. like you know what what the t- what type of love he brought to the table and also yeah. helping me really uh work through the process of forgiveness because I wanted more from him but he couldn't give me more because that's all all he knew like his yeah. dad wasn't even in the home so yeah. then you have a dad that's not in the home and then now I'm in the home and I and he he was always tell us I put clothes on your back I put a shelter over your head uh, you roof over your head and I put food in your stomach, and he was like yeah we may chit chat and do like you know little things but so to answer your question my first my first depiction of what a man was was more like a fences kind of dad right yeah but I think that like through community and other men that kind of be, began to embrace me I think it was really more so around like. Uh, You know, and all throughout my life, I can mention people, but like my ninth grade year when I was in a fellowship and Coach Mike, and if Coach Mike ever see this, he'll probably like, you know, be crying laughing right now. But uh, Coach Mike, man, and and, and the brothers they had around this fellowship foundation that was based in New Orleans where I'm from, like to me, that little community and how you wrap your arms, so to speak, around young men and kind of give them hope, uh, to me, that was more uh, of what I needed uh, from a father from yeah. like, you know, male figures in my life and, and really softened the idea of what you thought a man should be. And so yeah. I, I I stopped there because I go
0: on and on about like... oh brother, this, that's, that's what this is for. This you're male talking... figures. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, nah, you're talking some great things, man. That's what this was for. So, you know, when you talk about the movie Fences and, 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 and I didn't see the original, the play with James Earl Jones, but I did see Denzel's remake of it. And that was a father whose big thing was I provide. I'm going to provide for you. I'm not your best friend. So what
2: was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, again, like my dad provided. Like yeah. he, he was working all the time, worked two jobs for as long as I can remember. And um, and that's what his main focus was. It's like, don't ask me about nothing else. Don't ask me. And like, don't get me wrong, he wasn't always cutting dry fences. You know, right. and there was time where like he felt like he had extra money. We had extra money. He would go out his way to do certain things. Yeah. Um, But for the most part, though, it was just like, you know, having a pops like that and, and my dad really was uh, big on like perfection. Like, you know, he was, he yeah. was like a no nonsense, old school cat, former military. You know, he, he, uh, you know, he was like one of them, <laughs> he was one of the parents where like, you gonna wake up early, nobody gonna stay in, nobody sleeping in, uh, <laughs> if you got, you know, I remember when my dad, I remember one day I woke up, man. And, and my dad said, ask me one time, man, you got homework. And I was like, nah, man, I'm done with all my homework. And it was like school just getting going. So like Yeah. You can imagine it's not that much homework to be doing. I'm just trying to contextualize who my pops was, right? Yeah. Is he was like, he said, give me your book. So I gave him my book. And it was like, well, what page you on? I was like, well, we just got started. So I'm like in the first chapter. Right. He said he went through the table of contents and he and it was about four hundred some more pages. He said, look like you got a lot of homework to be doing. And uh, what he was trying to tell me is that like, it's always something to be getting done. Don't yeah. wait on somebody else to tell you to to do what you know you need to be doing. Mm-hmm. And it just really like, he was all about like, no wasted time. Like there's always the opportunity yeah. to be getting better. And uh, and that's really um, something that he instilled in me, but it was also kind of crippling to some degree yeah. because like, yeah. because if if you never feel like you always on a the go, then like sometimes even right now, I struggle with the like, idea of like resting. And meditating. So now what I'm doing more is like, and not I'm I'm not even there yet to be honest. As we as we as we say this, but I want to find a way to slow myself down to learn how to relax and like. And it's funny because he's always telling me, "Boy, you don't know how to relax." But I couldn't relax. So while he was trying to get me to relax, I couldn't relax because the way he was he was rearing it. Uh, all not just me, but all of us. Yeah. And like, and you know, it. Really, if you didn't play sports in my career, then you was pretty much a damn near nobody. My dad was big on sports. He <laughs> right. thought that like sports education was the way out, and yeah. uh, and you know he was big on education. My dad uh, was a uh, educator for entire like his entire life.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, he
2: was a coach his entire life. Yeah, um, sports got him to it. You know, he was a uh, he went to Clark and High Clark, Clark High School in New Orleans and went to Xavier University for his bachelor's and masters. And yeah. so for him, like that was the pathway forward it's hard work no matter what you do but sports Mm -hmm. education whatever it is like that's how you're gonna get to the next level and so it was uh you know it was uh it was a no nonsense household i remember my dad i gonna tell you the last story my dad woke me up i'm trying to give you the sense of who my dad was real
0: yeah and
2: that's why i still wake up at 5 a.m to this day i'm up at 5 6 a.m no matter matter what day of the week it is real right and uh and like he woke me up one morning it was like i was like eight years old nine years old and i think i was training for my first like uh my my uh, my, my three, my 3k or something like that,
0: yeah, yeah, and
2: um, and because my sister, my older sister, uh, she was like, Hey, can Cerilla run the 3k with me or five, it was? And yeah. so my Daddy, you gotta train, you can't just go out there and not <laughs> be ready. And so, he woke me up in the morning, bro, it was like five, six a.m. in the morning, and the sun wasn't up yet. yet. And he turned on the lights and then had me running in front of the car at like <laughs> before the age of 10. It's so like. But he also, another story my pops says I remember one time, bro, we were, and people might think this is child abuse, for real. But it, like, it, it really does bring a certain, like, that, that, when you say that dog, like, that dog on him we just talked about yeah. before we came on the show. Yeah. Like, it was no time for fear. It was no time to, have to hesitate. It was no time to, like, think about, well, and it, it's really about confronting all your fears head on. I remember one day I was uh, just starting fast pitch baseball. Yeah, And I played baseball from two years old, right? In terms of the first time I had my glove in my hand right. all the way until I was damn near like 23, 24. And, um, but I remember the first time that a ball was coming at me and I jumped out the way. And so the next day, my dad brought me to the, uh, we were all we would go out and we would practice together. So that weekend get out, we went out to the field and i got my bat and he had a bucket of balls and he was like, he's like, all right, we're going to do some batting practice today. I said, okay, cool. Because you know every kid loves batting practice. It's like the best thing you could be doing. Yeah. He's like, but I want you to leave your bat and your bag for now. And I was like, well, I was, I was confusing because I can't have batting practice without the bat. I got to right, be doing right, something right, with the bat. Right. And uh, he was like, no, nah, I want you to stand there, but I throw these bucket of balls at you. And I was like, excuse me, like you know what I'm saying, <laughs> like what? Yeah, yeah. And uh and so he like literally, I stood there and like, and he was, was like, if you jump back, I'm, the, the more you jump back, the harder I'm gonna throw these balls. And mm-hmm. um, and so on, some Mr. Miyagi type of stuff. It was just a way to understand that, like, you know, you gonna get, this this ball gonna hit you one of these days. Mm-hmm. If you are gonna play this sport, you can't be afraid of the thing mm-hmm. that gets the game moving. Like you, yeah. you gotta conquer this yeah. fear. And yeah. so, like, he was like, and just so he threw a whole bucket at me, and I stood there, and I learned how to take a pitch. I learned how to like what it meant to be to stand in the batter's box, and that did help me become a better hitter because if you can't stay on the baseball long enough to pick up what the pitch is, then you'll be moving out the way of every single pitch, every curveball, slider, the chain, whatever it is. Right. So a tough lesson. And then when I play football, the first time I like move out the way and got alligator on, he said, boy, let me tell you something. You know, you're going to get hit anyway, huh? You're going to get hit. Yeah. Whether you catch the football or not. And so let's yeah. I, I say I have like to say that, man, if you, if you have any idea what kind of dad I had, he, he, I'm pretty sure he loved me and all of us, but he was a, uh, Look, no-nonsense kind of cat that was, like, very, very fences-oriented.
0: <laughs> that's that's awesome, though, brother. Now, those lessons, man, and, and it may seem tough at the time, but I, I I understand the purpose behind them, that you can't be scared. Like you said, the ball is the thing that gets things moving. You understand what I'm saying? So you can't move out the way of that or be scared of that because you need that to get to you get on base or to get that home run. So I definitely get it. So as you was going through all that, you had to type of father, you were doing those things. At that age, when you're eight, nine, ten years old, you're out there running and everything like that. What did being a man mean to you at that time? Perfection. Perfection. Mm. Yeah, that's deep, man. I get it, brother. I get it. Perfection. So, it really.
2: It, I, I honestly, like, and honestly, like, that was the one. That's the one thing I could tell anybody now that I feel I had to work through is like, I've let perfection be the enemy of good for so long, and like, you know, for people out there trying to get to the next step and trying to figure out, like, you know, it has to be packaged the, the best um, best way possible. But, like, the only way you get to perfection is, like, is actually going through it. Like, you got to get to a point where you can move on it. And if you if you allowing, like, perfection to cripple you in any way, whether it be mentally, physically, spiritually, like, you're never going to be perfect. And so the idea is that what my dad never told me was perfection is, is not necessarily, like, what you are gonna ever be, but it's a methodology on how you should be approaching on inching towards whatever perfection is. He just basically told me, you gotta be perfect. Like everything gotta be perfect. And then so uh, it really, uh, it it was kind of like a, if I threw the baseball, if I made the wrong cut, I will be looking around and like, you know what I mean? And I always talk to my little nephew, like, man, play free. Like play free and live free, man. Because when you do that and you allow yourself to play free and live free and think freely, Mm Like, only good things come from that, man. And you allow your curiosity to kind of, like, blossom. And I think that, uh, you know, that's perfection would be the one thing that I would say 8, 9 years old, 10 years old.
0: Yeah, man, that's that's deep, man. That, and that perfection paralysis, man, can really be hindering. I, I get it. I learned, and I used to struggle with that myself, but I, you know, I had a coach that told me, you know, a, a, a DB. I want you to understand that done is always better than perfect. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, listen. Done is always better than perfect. So, ooh, that, yeah, take that messy action because what you can do is you're going to learn more by doing it. Either it's not going to be right, you get the feedback from it so you can adjust, or it is going to be right and you learn. Okay, boom, I can keep doing it this way. But done is always better than perfect, man. And, I, and, I, and that's something that I really
2: absolutely man
0: resonates with me. And I stick to it to this day, man. That's awesome. So I like that, man. Done is her. I like that one. I like yeah, that one. Brother, bring that brother, with me. Perfect, man. So talk to us, man. Like, you've you accomplished a lot in, in, in a shorter period of time. You So tell me, like, how did you get from where you were then to where you are right now? Like, what were some things that you had to overcome? What were some challenges you had to go through to get to where you are today, brother?
2: Yeah, you know, like, I think, man, it was but, his willingness to, like, to, to get the job done. Like you say, like, I I, I think... Like, with, with, I was like, you know, when you grew up in New Orleans, bro, and it's not like I was some, like, gangster or nothing like that, but I knew gangsters, and gangsters are next door to me, and down the street from me, and around the corner from me. And, like, when you grew up in a city where, you know, I, people people tell you, like, you know, growing up, like, Yo, like, they got, like, literally, I remember being in a conversation with people, like, and they, everybody knew for, for some reason, like, yo, this person going to be this way, and this person going to be that way. And um, I remember one of my homeboys, you know what I'm saying, LB, told me one day, he was like, real old man, like, he was like, dog, you going to go on, you're going to do something, bro, but that ain't for me. And in a nutshell, like, that really was at the time, when you look at, like, one brother coming from the same neighborhood, another brother coming from the same neighborhood, and uh, at the time when I graduated, when all me and my homies graduated from high school, only barely 50 percent of black males were graduating from high school at the time and uh and, and we beat the odds right like you know one in two black men in new Orleans during the uh early 2000s especially in the 90s weren't graduating from high school and so you know for me it was always looking back understanding that like you know my dad and my mom tried their hardest to to provide you know whatever type of like household they can provide you know structure value system and i think that like once once we, for me, it was, like, whether I'm making my mama proud, my dad proud, but I knew that for, I, I always wanted to do something that was just bigger than me, mm. like, bigger than just playing baseball, bigger than being some athlete, bigger than being a scholar, bigger, like, I want to say, look, I'm going to have nieces and nephews and children one day myself, and they're going to have children one day themselves. And I want to, like, whatever it is, like, part of the reason why I even got a law degree or wanted to go to school was, like, I want to set a standard, like this is this is what we do and this is how we move. And even if you, not saying a standard is education, but we always striving to get better, like every single day. And I think that like every day I woke up, I woke up with the renewed uh, energy and like motivation to to really, uh, it's never really been about me, but more so about community. and I, And that's always been instilled in me. And I think every place, institution that I've been to, um, I always felt like I, I brought that sense of community with me and it's still there. And that's why, uh, you know, when I think about Black Wrestling no Chaser and the work we're doing now, it comes full circle because it's like, it's really like this, like truly, uh, like in the aggregate of all all of our experiences, everybody at the table with Black Wrestling No Chaser, man, we, we bring that to the table of like, I love community, our spirit for change, man, uh, being drum majors in our own right. Uh, while at the same time collectively coming together, bro, and, like, and uh, centering joy. Like, you know, a lot of... I know I, I hear it now, but, you know, centering joy as a form of resistance wasn't really a thing. Mm-hmm. And now people are doing that more. And I think ultimately, bro, like, have joy in your life. And I always say, man, you ain't got to work to to give yourself some grace. If you need time to rest, you shouldn't have to work to rest. And, yeah. then try, and like, so when I'm saying... Oh, I get what I'm saying is, like, bro, like... <laughs> It it, it, it it is it's, it's really, it's, I'm gonna just in short, it's about community. It will always be about community. I remember somebody asked me the other day, like, what do I wanna get from this? What would I wanna get from my life? And it's hard for me to even answer what I want because I always thought about others. And I will also say this too, though, in terms of self love, man, like, it's good to be about community, but also, like, think about what you want because when you think about what you want, you take care of within first. Like, you know what? And Lauren Hill said, how you gonna win if you ain't right within? Yeah. It's like, yo, like, it's true because in order for you to win and your community win, you got to be right and your mind, body and spirit got to align with, you know what I'm saying, what you're putting out. And so, uh, like you know, take care of yourself and, and, and what you and think about what you really want at the same time, impacting your community, your community going to do this thing. So,
0: yeah, that's that's deep, brother. And a lot of a lot of men struggle with that term self-love or self-care or anything like that. I break it down. OK, you don't want like, to use the word self-love, self-care. Hey, brother, how are you taking care of yourself? You know what I mean? So I'm gonna ask you: What are some things you do for self love? This or self care?
2: Man, I read. I read like me, a lot of stuff, like you know, in terms of politics. I wouldn't necessarily say that's for me. I like being in the know, but I know that I'm a vessel, and that that's part of the reason why I was put on this earth. And so I stay in the know, not just for me, but for others. But I would, but in the morning, man, I do a lot of my own personal reading. I think it's a time of reflection. I think that I get up early, and I appreciate it now because. Because I'm always like in constant conversation, community is such a big part of me that I really have time for myself. And so those, mom, those moments in, in the morning where like things are the most still and like calm and like, you know, really like everything is at like, I feel like you can hear God speaking to you. Mm-hmm. And that's my moment of like reflection and my time for myself through my readings and uh, so that's what I do mostly for me. I'm trying to get into more like self-care things, like uh, self-baths and way to release energy, and like yeah. I said, meditation. But I'm not there yet. I'm really not there. I'm a work in progress. And yeah. I think that that's important for any body who's gonna be watching or you know coming in contact with your work is like understand that we all are work in progress, and that if you understand, like get that point. And then every single day you thin slice your life in a way in which you say, well, the, I, like you said, done, like done is better than perfect, right? And yeah. so like every day, if I know my goal is to get 500 pushups in a day, but I did 300, yeah. I'd rather do 300 than do zero. Right, right, right. And so I've just had been going through my mind too uh, lately and, and been to tell myself like, it's real, like, it's okay if you didn't get
0: everything
2: mm. done. But long as like moving forward, uh, I think that that helps my connect my 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 hands to my mind and my heart and going yo like it's okay it's okay if you didn't get all done
1: Amen.
2: because like I'm back to the beginning of our conversation perfection was what I was instilled so I have to unpack that and yeah.
0: try to provide my own methodology on how I move so yeah hey that's awesome man I get it brother so you spoke about joy a little bit ago man and that's something that's very critical very important. What are some things you should do that bring you joy, man?
2: Shit, man. Well, one, helping others. That's for damn sure. Um, But two, though, man, cooking. Okay. Cooking, man. I cook. uh, That's one of the ways I I love, man. Coming from New Orleans, my mother was always hosting. She was always taking care of somebody. And uh, for me, part of me sharing love and sharing a piece of me is, like, cooking. And uh, the other one is, like, man, like, being, being creative, being creative around issues, uh, building community, um, you know, working on things with Black people chasing behind the scene, um, really trying to build out what liberation looks like for Black people.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: When marginalized folks, uh, you know, like those things, like, you know, being a part of struggle, while sometimes it can be a really, uh, you know, draining process, you know, uh, yeah. to be honest, um, but being a part of that is really a, a life journey and life's work, and so, you know, doing that in, in, a, in a real way, uh, brings me joy. And I could go on about other things, you know, like, you know, spending time with my lady brings me joy, you know. Uh, so <laughs> um, uh You know, everything that, I think that, you know, plants now are bringing me joy. Oh. I've been, you know, because of her, you know, speaking about my lady, like, she's brought this spiritual side and, like, being to help me be able to slow things down. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, plants are a big part of it. And the cool thing about plants, man, is that, like, plants speak to you. Yeah. You speak to plants, plant, uh, plants, uh, plant pants, speak back. And so, you know, that like that that to me has uh brought me some joy, especially during the pandemic, man, when you can't yeah. go outside, it's almost like you got you got your own tribe around you, you know what I'm saying? You got yeah. your plants and it's like your little kids, and so you nurturing them and you watering them. And one thing about a plant that I will say that if you're talking about this country and you're talking about black communities and you're talking about resources is that the plant is going to show up exactly how the surround its environment is going to, is nurtured, And so, you know, what it taught me is that, you know, looking at my plants and my plants are dying. I can't blame the plant for dying. I got to figure out it's something about the environment that it's in that's causing it to die. And so for me, that was also metaphorically speaking, uh, a way in which I can like examine the world around me outside of my own home and go, well, look, I have to take more ownership of if, if I'm projecting in a particular way, I gotta look within and be like, why am I projecting? Why am I so judgmental? Why am I this? Why am I that? And so, you know, this the, the plant process is bigger than the plants. It's also Mr. Miyagi uh, type 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 stuff, you know what I mean? Where like it's a plant it to me, plants are more than plants, man. They really are like the 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 a signal or their metaphor for life, man. And so you know if you again if you ain't got your environment right you ain't gonna be right it can't gonna be right your plants ain't gonna be right and so like the more you start thinking about why are things showing up around me the way they're showing up it's probably sometime whatever you putting out and not saying always oh, that the, that the case but the environment that you keeping yeah and then you existing in it's not allowing you to flourish, and I think that like looking at my plants, man, my plants make me happy. that I, even while I'm thinking about it, they can put a Look, smile on my face. That. Yeah,
0: that's that's great, brother. I'm glad that you were at that point. I'm so happy to hear that, man. You brought up about your lady, and I know for me, my my lady is a big part of my life, a big part of my growth and development and my transition. So you know as boys man when we when it comes to women and females and sex and things like that we have a skewed concept of what that actually means so just talk to me about your growth from where you were when you were younger when you was dealing with women in relationships to the actual place you're at now with your lady and how that growth and development has happened and where you're at with that
1: mm,
2: so that's that's huge right um that's uh you know you know, for me, man, growing up in the hood, right? We already know like it's very misogynistic. You know, for the <laughs> most part, you know what I mean. What I mean by that is the way we treat our women, the way we speak about our women, especially in particular black women. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's vile, bro. Like, and, and but you know, the older I got, and 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 then you know, even thinking around the Me Too movement, there was a lot of conversations when that movement uh first began, mm-hmm. and um. And like thinking about even the most marginal, like, I guess, role I had, even myself, right? I had mm-hmm. in allowing women to be, uh, you know, from cat calls to, to, you know, touching. I don't, I would not say I don't touch no woman uh, it, unless it's not consensual. But in terms of like, even like, like just the way in which, we, we, we talk to our women, speak about our women, even amongst our own groups, right? And so there's been a shift in my life. Like, I don't even associate um, with brothers. We don't even talk about women like that anymore. Like, you know, and like, that's not really a thing amongst the brothers I hang with. Um, it's just been a real journey because, like, and we hold each other accountable. We even be like, yo, look at that music you listen to. Like, you know what I'm saying? that Like, so even from the music listening to, to the conversation we are having, to relationships we're having with our, uh, with our significant others, um in terms of like you know cisgender heterosexual relationships yeah. um like you know my 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 lady you know is a force and you know i love that black woman and every 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 uh, every bit of her and uh mm-hmm. you know like what people say and i'm pretty sure you can attest to this like yo when you got a good woman especially a good black woman you know she gonna let you know when you're not showing up right and i think mm-hmm. that Absolutely. you know i think that that's been the biggest piece is letting the side of my ego go because like if she's bringing it up is not because she doesn't want me to be better. It's because in fact she does. Because when I'm better, we better. And uh, I think that like, but but a lot of it has to do with men, man. And men gotta let that ego go. It's it, it's a it's, a, it's a, in pride, ego and pride, man. And, and 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 going, man. I was wrong. I was wrong the way I approached that conversation. I was wrong in cutting you off. I was wrong like not telling you thank you. I was wrong like. Like, it was, we just don't give our women um, their due um, because uh, society has taught us that this very patriarchal society has taught us that, you know, our women need to be submissive. I see so many conversations still to this day. And I don't know if some men are doing it for being sensationalizing or whatever, but it's just kind of weird that, you know, you got a partnership where there's one person dominating over another. When I think of a partnership, I think about two people or a set of people or a set of ideas coming together, and it coming together under, under the, like some type of agreement under an assignment, right? You know, the Bible talks, talks about, and I'm not the biggest Bible, holy roller, but somewhere it says in there there's nothing more powerful than two people coming to agreement. And, like, one thing about me and my lady, we come to an agreement where we can always show each other with respect, All right, I think it's very, very important. Um, we don't give each other space and grace to be human. And I think that's also very, very important. And we gonna, we gonna laugh together and we gonna communicate together. And uh, and and if something's not, if something's bothering me, I have opportunity to, to share my feelings and, and be emotional and be vulnerable with my lady. And I think that's a big, important part, piece of it is that, you know, we always, I mean, I'm a cancer and she's a cancer. And uh, and we always just tell them we be cancelling around here because there's a bunch of emotions. Uh, but, you know, lately, man, I've been trying to <laughs> I've been trying to, uh, you know, explore a more wider range of emotions and be able to convey that, because by doing that, I'm, I'm actually becoming a better advocate by being more human within my relationship. Right. because with my lady, because she's allowing me to be somebody I never knew I could be. Ooh. And so, like, you know, that that's. To me, the biggest have been the biggest shift and change and reason why I love her so much is, you know, she allow, she allows me. To uh, to be uh, fully human, I think that's mo- that's important.
0: Hey man, that, that's powerful, brother. That's powerful. Let me ask you a question. How, how old are you?
2: I'm 34, bro. I'll be 35 in June.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. You the, the 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 mindset you have right now, man, is very amazing. I love to hear, especially a black man, speak about. These type speak about his woman, the way you are right now and about that relationship and about that growth and development, man, and how we're coming together. And it's not one person dominant over the other, but we we're a team in this. And I love the way you speak about that. Um, Real quick, brother, when you touched on emotions, when it comes to when it comes to your emotions, what's what was harder for you? What was most challenging? For you? Was it harder for you to identify what you feel, to process through what you feel or effectively communicate what you feel?
2: i mean i think of the combination of it all right because yeah. they all kind of like lean on one another and so like if, if i can't process in my mind right because i've been taught a certain way how a man should be showing up and then but then when i finally get to that and i process that well then how do i show up and not seem weak mm. right i think it's like this idea of like if i t- if i explain to my woman how I'm feeling and, and and tell it hurt right like hey when you did that that hurt Right. Uh, oh, mm-hmm. I didn't. I, that I didn't. I noticed you've been. Do, I didn't like when you did that, and it made me feel this way. And I think that like having conversations like that and being able to be quote unquote man enough to say that hurt. And again, mm-hmm. this is also allowing yourself to be human. And I think that that goes back to any relationship. If you don't like what somebody is doing to you, or or, or, or you don't like uh, or, or or even and it has to become from a place of hurt. It could be like, look, I want—I want to tell you exactly how I'm feeling about you, the way I want to love on you, uh, the way I have how how much joy you bring in my life, and being able to be raw and like emotional, and like, and in those moments, it's funny because sometimes because of perfection, we like, I gotta say the best thing, like we watch all these movies and they have all these dope lines and everything, but when you get to the moment, right, you like, man, I just love you. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, right? And then like, but I feel like the part of that is like, but. It's a, it's a muscle we don't, we don't use enough, so that's why we can't find the words, but the the more and more I become open about sharing how I'm feeling in whatever way I'm feeling, right, and not saying that, and one thing about it, I, I want to make sure I say this really quickly about before I finish, is neither person should be claim, complaining just to complain, right, I'm, I'm a solution-oriented person, like, sometimes, like, look, yo, like, like, let's not just be because we got so many different things and, and everybody's dealing with a lot of stuff. We got to pick and choose our battles. And that's important as well, um, because uh, that can be really, really taxing on a partner. If you're constantly coming to them with every single emotion, or range of emotion you're coming from, especially when it's dealing with trauma, when you know both of y'all are, tr- are juggling trauma at the same time, whether it be past, whether it be from family, parent ties past relationships, whatever it is. So when you come into the table every single day with all your baggage, every single day, like part of your responsibility to the person you're with and the people around you is that your that your time of reflection and meditation, you have to find a way to diffuse some of that, some of it, not all of it, but some of it, mm-hmm. to where you're not like that weight that we bring because you gotta stand on the other side of our communication as another human being who cares deeply about us. And if we're weighing on in with all of our baggage, they can't work through their own baggage, right? And so, part of love is allowing up space and grace for that for that to to happen. But to get back to what I was saying was, um, I like so. You know, it. I, I almost lost my train of thought about okay. the. Uh, but, but no. But, but I think that, like, they, to me, like when I, we talk about, like bringing, being able to explain, I, mean, I know, being able to explain our emotions and how we're feeling is that, yo, like, you want to keep line of communication open. You want to be explained to each other how you're feeling. Um, but, you know, like I said, you still want to be cognizant of the fact that that person is also dealing with a lot too, especially during pandemic and COVID times right. Sorry, yo. especially during pandemic and COVID times, man, we all do a lot of isolation and uh, from our own people and our people we love and our friends and our family. And so, giving um, each other uh, that that opportunity to uh, you know to be people and be humans is important.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great, man. Uh, you bring up a good point, man, about just complaining to complain. And you said something like you're solution-oriented. solution focused, solution oriented. Well, I always say all the time, man, I'm solution-focused and results-oriented. We can talk about the problem all day long, but we need to talk about how we're gonna get through that, how we're gonna move through that. What, you know, Cause I'm about getting results, man, and solving issues, brother. So I like that you're on that part, man. You bring up something that's very important to me. And I wanna know, hear your thoughts on this a little bit more, man, but transparency and vulnerability. That seems to be hard words for men of any race, color, creed to identify with. So, what are those words yeah. for
1: you?
2: You know, transparency is like, you know, is being able to really say exactly how you're feeling. I think it really now, now it really brings back to the process how you pro- we were talking about before is yeah. transparency is like being able to process your feelings and your thoughts and your emotions and be able to convey them in a way um, that in the most effective way possible um, that, that doesn't get lost in translation. Because yeah. I think that like being transparent and being like, I hate I hate that, I uh, really like that. But being able to align of why you hate that or dislike that or love that or like that and be able to really qualify that in, in, in the true essence of transparency is like at, at the core, I feel like transparency is the 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 thing naming the thing or whatever it is and then being able to qualify exactly what that is in real time or after you process that that to me is true transparency Absolutely. and it, as as it pertains to uh partnerships and relationships
0: mm-hmm. absolutely man that's great man tell me man what is what is one piece of advice you would give men of any age race color creed about masculinity
2: First of all, I even sometimes hate the term masculinity, right, um, because it's so steep in toxicity mm. uh, that it's hard to really, it's almost like white supremacy. I hate the term white supremacy because it's steeped in the fact that white people, uh, no, no matter how illusory that idea may be, um, that they're better than others, right? Yeah. And so I just like I like my boy said white bigotry, not white supremacy, because you're never gonna be better than anybody because we all we all put our pants on the same goddamn way. But yeah. in terms of masculinity, the men out there, uh, you know, doubt, yo, like get out your own way. Like we all, all could be better humans if we get out our out our own way of of this idea of this 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 subscription to this toxicity of how men should be showing up and leading with our egos, man. Like let that ego go, let that pride go, right? Um, you know, and we've been fed through a myriad of images of what a man should be showing up like. Man, show up like a human being. Like, let's normalize with what it means to be a human being and be a full range human being with emotions and like, you know, and a love for life and a joy and, and the fact that we also hurt and we, and we could be angry and we could be sad, but you know, like all these things that people feel, be excited about something and live with that. and be okay with those moments and own those moments i think that's ultimately like we talk about masculinity we we're we really talking about is our ability or, or the wantingness to be more human that to me is like masculinity
0: oh brother i love it i love the way you broke that thing down man listen talk and i, I asked this question a couple different ways man and you know some people resonate with it some people like ah, i don't so i'm gonna ask you this man i want to hear your thoughts i'm gonna ask you in two ways man and you answer Either way, that's best for you, okay? What type of legacy are you leaving in this world? Or how do you want to be remembered when it's all said and done, brother?
1: Hmm.
2: You know, like, it's really hard to think about sometimes because uh, I think it's an overwhelming thought because I want to do so much. And I think a lot of us want to do a lot, uh, impact, you know, the world around us. But I think that like, whatever it is, I think that a legacy, whatever, you know, whatever that means for anybody, I would say that I want people to know, I want to leave a footprint. I want people to know that Cirillo was there and like he made a difference. And no matter how small that is, whether it be two people, three people, a hundred people, no matter the number, I feel like if somebody said Cirillo impacted my life, then I'm cool with that. And I don't know in in what magnitude that'll end up being, but if that's it, I just want people to know that Cirillo was a man of the people and for the people. And, uh, and that's really what, uh, I feel like my life work has always been about and it will be deep. about.
0: That's deep brother. That's deep. Touch, t- tell us real quick, man, just about the movement that you got going on about the black with no chaser, what that is about, man, Just and let people know where they can find you at man when it comes to that movement.
2: Yeah, man. So, uh, black with no chaser, whoo. It's like, uh, you know, when you say that, even every time I say it, I'm going to get chill bumps so on my yeah. arms, man, because yeah. like, for me and for everybody associated with black with no chaser not just internally but everybody that we impact on a daily basis it really is when we say think black and live black unapologetically it's a state of mind but it's also a state of being at the same time so like moving through life with a certain level of fervor and and, and joy and uh, and then being able to like love on your people and be vulnerable with your people and build community like that really is the essence of black with no chaser right uh, we say like your blackness is safe here we understand fully. Uh, that Blackness is not a monolith, and that, you know, like, we can, there are many people that wear many different hats. And so uh, we, we really want to celebrate all forms of Blackness. And so when we started Black with Chaser, I guess it really all, all, Black with a Chaser started in our hearts initially, yeah. right? Um, it is it, something we felt. But on paper, in November 2017, it started. And uh, we started and I'll be saying it now because I I say it now more, but I didn't really say it back in the day, is we were doing like Facebook or journalistic mixtapes. And what I mean by that is, we were rewriting stories on top of stories uh, that we felt like misrepresented or underrepresented or didn't have any representation of how, if we knew black people should have been in that story, we were now inputting the knowledge that should have been part of it and adding those cliff notes and anecdotes and that data information that should have been there to begin with. And we were doing that on top of these posts, like long Facebook posts, like articles, 500 words or more.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: and then they, they started to catch fire. And then from there, we, you know, we kind of started mixing in, you know, more cultural moments. And it it, it became, uh, you know, a wraparound approach and more of a lifestyle brand. Uh, but behind the scenes, though, man, Black Persona Chaser is doing some amazing work. Some of it I can't even talk about right now because it's really, really, really. Um, but I'm, if it ends up, and I I, I pray that it does, uh, if everything ends up coming to fruition, then, um, then I'm telling you right now, like, Black folks will be in a better place. Absolutely. place man uh but you know if, if you if you want to follow us on black with no chaser like all you gotta do is look for the handle you can search you can search black with no chase on IG um Facebook if you are on Twitter it's black no chaser because with couldn't fit in the character uh uh the yeah. character they allowed and right. so we had to cut it down so black no chaser um you know also man we got a show on there called the black lunch break it was born out of the uh quarantine era but we're going into season three so follow the black lunch break um you know, we just got off with Clifton Powell. Uh if y'all don't know who Clifton Powell is, man, most people know him from his uh his uh, Friday, uh working Friday. But but he got a he got a, he got a movie about to drop right now called Saints and Sinners on Judgment Day, so check that out. Uh but yeah, yo, so that's Black With No Chaser in a nutshell, man, without having to talk your head up. I can go on and on and on about the work that we're doing. But yo, buy the merch. The merch is lit. Um, and we and we and right now, though, just while I box, you know, I guess my personal privilege as being an interviewee, um, yo, we are literally about to launch a whole new website pretty soon. We've been saying this, but really excited about what that website is gonna look like. Um, in addition, new merch, the feel of it, the quality of it, everything, everything is leveling up. In 2021 across the board uh, with the brand and super excited about everything we got going on behind the scenes from pop to tech um you name it y'all really 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 be on the lookout because like when they say the revolution will not be televised sometimes some of it won't be televised and by the time you get to it boom the revolution is happening. so uh so look man uh but I, again I, I appreciate the opportunity to come on here uh, on made man man and really have this conversation with you because this is what i really enjoy doing more than A lot of stuff. We're just talking about these kind of uh, uh, issues.
0: Yeah. Hey, man, I appreciate you coming on, brother. Uh, I'm glad I was able to get a hold of you. He's able to do this. I want you to know, brother, you definitely are a made man. You are motivated. You are accessible. You are disciplined. You are an expressive man. So I truly appreciate everything that you're doing. I'm definitely going to follow you. I'm going to get the merch. I'm going to represent my next show. You'll probably see me with a shirt on or something from Black. Sure, for sure. But uh, I love what you guys are doing for the community. I love what you're doing for the culture. I love what you're doing in your personal life, brother. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Let's keep having these discussions. Let's keep talking about these things, bringing awareness and giving them to them with no chaser, brother. I appreciate it. Absolutely,
2: bro. Every time, baby. Every time.
0: You take care, my man. Thank you for tuning into this episode. I truly hope something during this episode resonated with you it is my hope that you know that no matter what you're dealing with or what you're going through, you don't have to suffer in silence, isolation, and shame. We all have struggles. We all have things that we are dealing with, and ignoring or avoiding what you're thinking and feeling and not allowing yourself to be vulnerable or express any internal hurt and pain doesn't make you more of a man. Please understand that. Also, please, share this episode. You never know what someone is going through and... Something in this episode may help. Remember, no matter what it is or how hard it is, that's not all there is. You don't have to stay stuck or struggling. Your power is in your choices. So what type of choices are you going to make today? Hey.
1: Hey. I'm here, my brother. You know I love you. Yes, you, yes, you are enough. I just want to be a good man. I can't relate to you, brother, because you're a good man. Yes, you are a good man.